Live streaming is on. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is August the 7th, 2020. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Personal responsibility is new counterculture. Buy and hold. Golden age of the 2020s, baby. That's where we are. Bitcoin is next. Bitcoin in motion. Five-digit realm. I'm offended by selling. Compete, don't complain. Conviction. Be a unique beast. Hello, my elite friends. So far, we have two unique beasts right here. We're waiting for Francis. Don't know where Francis is, but hey. We got Reed here, baby. He's coming. He's coming from uh, freaking Swan. Yeah. And we got Surfer Jim. Oh, it's going to be a unique beast type of show. If you guys got questions, we got answers. You can do a super chat. Uh, type in Bitcoin Meister in the chat. Retweet this, people. I'm TechBot on Twitter, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. So it's been a very exciting uh, week in Bitcoin. It started off uh, last Saturday night. Bitcoin, what, dropped $1,400 in a, in a minute or something like that? But we had our strong hands. It didn't bother us at all. And I am wondering, you know, we've got a guy here that works with, with the, the people trying to buy the Bitcoin, the, the swan, swan. Everybody loves Swan. So, Reed, is, are, are, has business... Uh, increased this la these last 10 days or so when bitcoin's been booming is this the start of a bull run <laughs> well first i think the bull run has already started uh, started <laughs> last spring um but in terms of continuation yeah we're, we are seeing a lot more people coming into the space both new users coming onto swan um as well as existing swan users upping their plans um it's, it's somewhat ironic that, I mean, we are a dollar cost averaging company. We're trying to get people to buy as frequently as possible um, and sort of do, do consistent buys, but the price really does dictate uh, new interest. And so uh, I think this, the last two weeks, as we've seen the price go up, maybe 20%, I bet we, we've had 30% growth uh, in the amount that people are buying. So if you run that forward, uh, we're buying more Bitcoin than we were two weeks ago, even at a higher price. Um, so that's pretty bullish to me. Yes, it is indeed. Now, uh, you said you thought the bull run already started back uh, in 2019. And, and I mean, maybe a, a, a better question is, is this, uh, has the FOMO period started? Has the... Uh, are we not going to are we not going to return to the four digit realm type of thing is, is or is there not going to be another uh dip a major dip before uh before we really get started here i mean i could be wrong i don't think we're headed back to four digits personally um uh, definitely saw a, a lot of fomo uh in that last pump up to close to 12k i mean twitter was ablaze with people cheering for it to go to 12 um, and also in my personal communications with people, a lot of my friends who never had interest in Bitcoin all of a sudden just started having interest as it, as it ran up to 12K um, and wanted to open accounts and wanted to ask some questions or reaching out to me. Um, so definitely saw a little taste of the FOMO, but I think that there is a lot more to come um, in the coming year. Yes. Oh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to 2021. Everyone keep that strong hand. And eh, there might be some bumps in the road. There will be some bumps in the road. I, I, I think, 
All right, uh, Surfer Jim, is that, what's your take uh, on the uh, bull run here and interest? I mean, you are a dude who's going out of his way to spread the word with your, your business cards and everything, which are freaking awesome. Uh, now, you're not running a, a Bitcoin business here uh, like uh, Reed is, is part of, but have you noticed uh, increased interest? And in what, what's, what's your take on the latest uh, price uh, positivity for Bitcoin? Um, so as you, as you're aware, I do give out a business card that has a bunch of Bitcoin resources on it because it's hard to direct people, um, when, when you're not with them, you know, so they put it in their pocket, they go home later and they maybe look at it. I have seen an uptick in people who are interested for sure in my, in my life, as I walk around and talk to people, as a matter of fact, two older gentlemen, one guy, 73, another guy, probably in his sixties today, as I started speaking about it, of course they've heard about Bitcoin, but didn't really understand it. And I said to them, just put 1% of your portfolio. You know, anybody can handle a 1% loss. What if it went bad? But what if it goes to the moon like we all believe? And they both took my card and they both got excited. Older gentlemen who never thought they would even get into Bitcoin. But I put it to them the right way. And I just, I do see the increase of interest. Uh, I, I'm not sure if the bull run has totally kicked off. And I could see four digits temporarily because of, Market manipulation, possibly. There's some whales out there that I think can push the price around from time to time. I even heard that that dip last week was a result of a, uh, somebody, uh, a large order selling uh, over the 12,000 mark and it pushed the price down. So could it happen? Yeah, but we're still going up eventually over time. There's only one way Bitcoin's going and it's up. A lot of people got liquidated there. All the gamblers yeah. back back uh, back last Saturday night. Don't be a gambler. Uh, Reed, do you have any uh, thoughts on that liquidation from last Saturday night now, now that we brought it up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a good example of why you don't want to use leverage. Even in small amounts, Bitcoin is just absurdly volatile. And you never really know when, it, when it's going to go up 20% or when it's going to go down 20%. And March 12th was a good example. Of that a lot of people like a lot of even very smart people uh got liquidated because they even you know set really low stops or low rev leverage they still got liquidated um i mean it doesn't concern hodlers but it, it is a good reminder not to not to lever up well march 12th was a day of for the impulsive i mean there were people that didn't get liquidated that decided to sell their bitcoin that day that was not a day to sell your. That was a day to buy freaking Bitcoin, baby. <laughs> that, that was, I, I look back on that time frame very fondly because Bitcoin was on a. Uh, it was on a forty-eight hour sale uh, around that time period. Oh, it was good. It, it was darn good. And it is. It's a shame. Uh, some people are going to have to are going to look back uh, with a lot of regret on that day because uh, I mean it, it got down below four thousand dollars. It's it's almost tripled since. <laughs> All right, fiat freaks, you value your wealth in, 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 in fiat. We're just trying to get more Bitcoin over there. Pound that like button, people. All right, now let's let's move on to a topic that a, a new story. This wasn't covered any time during uh, this past week because it just broke today, this story. All right, are you ready? This is from Barry Silbert. And uh, are you ready? Grayscale's national ad campaign kicks off next week with a TV ad on CNBC, MSNBC, Fox, and Fox Business. We're going to bring crypto to the masses. All right. So, uh, Surfer Jam, are you going to be watching uh, CNBC uh, for that, <laughs> that ad? Uh, or what, what, what do you think about uh, Barry Silbert and, and marketing? I mean, this is it's, – it's free marketing for Bitcoin. 
It's yeah, that's that's what it's good for. Um, I don't watch television. I don't even own a television, so um, I won't be seeing their ad. But I also don't care. But I I do expect some phone calls from some people when they see the ad and they say, "Oh, that Jim knows about Bitcoin." Um, unfortunately, it's held in trust. It's not owning real Bitcoin. I'm not a big fan of the whole crypto thing, as I think you're aware. Uh, you know, it, it muddies the waters. It it, it uh, it sends people down the wrong road thinking that they're all equivalent, you know, what about this ripple and this other thing? And we all know they're not the same. So it's unfortunate that a lot of people are going to waste a lot of time looking into the wrong things, but the exposure to Bitcoin is always good. So it gets people talking. You know, it's hilarious that you said, what about this ripple? If you, if you look at the, <laughs> uh, if you look at the thread that Barry Silver started and it's, it's quite popular. A lot of people have retweeted this because they're excited and I'm excited uh, I mean, who knows what it's going to bring, uh, what, what type of attention it's going to bring over to, to Bitcoin. But there are people that are like, why can't you get into Ripple? Why can't you have a Ripple trust? Or just, and then people are like, why can't you? They're, they're naming all their, their uh, altcoin flavors of the month. Barry, why can't you do this? Why it, it, it's so funny. It, 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 it's so typical. I mean, you're trying to tell this dude how to, how to run his, his business to, to pick up your third tier altcoin or whatever. I mean, you, you publicize it yourself, dudes. Uh but uh, the, the, the thing that is interesting is that I, I don't like people ho holding their Bitcoin that way because they're not, it's not really Bitcoin. They're not buying Bitcoin. They're buying into this GBTC thing, right? Right. Um, but there are a lot of people that are going to be very the, – the type of people that watch CNBC, I mean, they're, they're used to third parties holding their, Bitcoin, their, their finances, okay? They're totally used to that. So this will just be like – they won't even question it. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, you, you buy it. You buy the Bitcoin in the fund, and they might just go do it." I mean, he might get a lot of business. For, and I mean, that's his personal business. He might get a lot of business from this, but it's it's obviously not the best way to buy Bitcoin. It's it's so much simpler than than what he's offering there. Uh, so I don't know if you have anything to say about that uh, aspect of it, Jim. Yeah, um, the custody part. You know, as we know, uh, Bitcoin is a bear. Uh, instrument you can own it and it's unconfiscatable and uh, you don't need a custody service to hold your Bitcoin for you it's always at risk if a custody service is holding it for you but I agree with you there's a lot of older investors a lot of uh, just regular investors and they set up an investment account and they never see a stock certificate in their life they just see a screen that says they own some so uh, yeah no question a lot of people are gonna go that route and uh, and many people will do fine. They'll pay the premium to own it that way, you know, pay Barry to take care of it for them, whatever. Uh, it's a waste of some money, but, you know, some of these people have plenty of money to spend, I guess. Uh, but it, again, it's all good for Bitcoin. It's going to just make a greater exposure for everybody on the planet to just hear more about Bitcoin. And it does give it some legitimacy. You know, he's a, a regulated big entity. Uh, they've been around for a long time and it's going to make Bitcoin look a little less uh, scammy. I, I guess some people still consider it that way. And going to make it more uh, professional i guess at that level so I'm, I'm in favor of the whole thing all right reed your take on this uh they're not exactly a, c a competitor to swan but i mean in the bigger i mean maybe all right <laughs> what's your take not a competitor to swan at all um but i am actually like pretty excited about this ad campaign um, because it, it will bring exposure to bitcoin and for some people especially people that are just getting their first taste of bitcoin um like this is this is a way to do that. For instance, my my uncle, I've been working him for a solid year about investing, and he has a long background in investing his personal money in, in stocks and options trading. And he just doesn't feel comfortable owning his own private keys, and he doesn't even feel comfortable owning Bitcoin itself. 
because um, he still thinks that it's too uh, too scammy. But uh, he's just like last week purchased some GBTC into his IRA account. Um, and to me, that's like, that's a good first step. You know, like I'm trying to get him to protect his wealth. And while I, I think Bitcoin will do it best, a product, a derivative product that matches Bitcoin price should be able to do it reasonably well or, or better at least than gold or stocks. Um, and so I, I was really excited that my uncle made that purchase finally. Um, you know, good first step. Eventually, a year down the line, I'm going to try and get him to hold his own keys. But uh, I think that this this GBTC ad put could get a lot of people their first step in owning or thinking that they own Bitcoin, even even if it's just a derivative. You know, it's, it's a positive spin on the situation to say you know, this is a good first step. They're going to think they own Bitcoin. Maybe one yeah. day, uh, one day they, they really and will own just hope that they learn about Bitcoin. And, and stay interested as the price goes up um, and then end up owning the actual thing so they don't get screwed in the case of a, an eventual rehypothecation scheme. You know, let, let's let's talk about marketing a little bit here because this is all, I mean, he's, he's giving free marketing to, to Bitcoin. Uh, and of course, Surfer Jim, he does it on, he does it on the streets by giving out free, giving out cards. Uh, what is your take, Reed, on the overall, uh, and what you guys do at Swan is, I mean, you... You guys are just, you have outreach, incredible outreach, and you intertwine yourselves with like regular people in the community, get on get on any, any show possible. So what what's your take on the future of uh, of Bitcoin marketing? Yeah, so, so I mean, we take a very different approach from GB2C. Like, we're not running national ads about SWAN. We're, we're still a small company. And, and our, our marketing push and vision was to really go after people that know Bitcoin well and try and like listen to them about about providing a service that people really need and, and want um, for hodlers, and and then try and get them on board uh, so that when people start flowing in, so when the, the interest starts flowing into Bitcoin, we have the Saifedeans and the Max Kaisers, you know, shilling us, um, and everyone is going to those trusted figures that have been in the space long, and, and they can refer for. Um, newbies to us. That's sort of our marketing approach. Very different from Grayscale's, you know, who's going after legacy financial ecosystem, essentially, people who are comfortable um, trading in their IRA accounts. Um, so it's a different marketing approach. We don't compete with them at all. <laughs> um, but I think both, you know, respect what they're doing, you know, that that's step one. And, and I think that as people get further and further down the rabbit hole, they eventually come to see that they just want to auto DCA in um, and that they can't, they can't time the market as much as they'd like to think they can, they can't. Um, and when they get sort of deep enough down the rabbit hole where they realize they don't want altcoins and they want to actually hold their own keys, um, oftentimes they find us. And so appreciate what GBC, GB or Grayscale does with GBTC, you know, wish they didn't do anything with Ethereum, but hey, <laughs> they have bills to pay. Um, and, <laughs> they're yeah. getting a lot. They're yeah. getting a lot more Ethereum interest, apparently, too. We, I talked about that uh, on a on, on a previous show. So uh, you're pretty hardcore Bitcoin, I guess. There, you just uh, you, you laid it out there pretty uh, pretty clearly. Uh, I think I, this show was. Uh, I knew I was going to get a. Uh, uh, yeah, I, of course, m m the majority of people I get on the show are, are hardcore Bitcoiners. You know, other than Tai Zen. 
<laughs> so, Jim, your your thoughts on any more thoughts on marketing? Since uh, you are you are a big a Bitcoin marketer, or any thoughts on Ethereum for that matter? Well, I'm not a fan of Ethereum. I, I don't think it's going to last uh, in the long run. It's got a lot of hype, and it's it's got that behind it. But I think that's all it's got. Um, the market on Bitcoin is interesting. You know, we don't have a marketing department. Bitcoin doesn't have a CEO. It's uh, everybody can market it the way they feel like it. So my choice is to direct people to what I think are trusted websites and podcasts so they can learn the facts uh, at whatever level, whether it's the economics or the, the code level stuff. So on my card that I give out, it's got a, a variety of different things, including your podcast, because people need to, uh, you know, be up on the current stuff that's going on. Um, one thing about the marketing with Grayscale, though, unfortunately, I, I see it this way. Um, they're marketing Bitcoin like an investment. And Bitcoin is not like other investments. It's not, I don't even think of it as an investment. Bitcoin is a money. It's a new form of money on the planet that humans can use as money. And people don't get the idea that there's this new money you could use and it's not controlled by a government. And so to invest in it is not so much because you're looking for a return. From my perspective, to invest in Bitcoin is to get as much of the new future money as I can possibly get since there's a limit on how much anybody could have. So the more of that you get when more and more and more people want it, the value of what it can buy is likely to increase. I look at my Bitcoin holdings as not something I'm ever going to cash out. One day I'm just going to spend it as Bitcoin and it will buy me much more in the future than it will buy me today. So it's not an investment like a stock. And unfortunately, Grayscale is going to market it that way, and the average person is going to see it that way. But they'll learn over time. I do think that at a certain point down the rabbit hole, you flip over from looking at Bitcoin as an investment and a cool way to make more more dollars to, yes. oh, that's your base currency. Like, this is money, and, and this is not investment. This is savings. <clears throat> and before you get to that point, you do have to, you know, maximalists and and educators do have to be able to, to talk the investment speak to people. They do have to be able to say, you know, like you should put some money into this thing because it will grow in value over time and, and use language that people who are still using the US dollar as their base currency can understand. And then eventually you try and guide them towards realizing like, no, this is not actually an investment. Like your US dollars are the investment and they're a terrible investment. Like Bitcoin is your savings, move over. To viewing the world through that lens. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you guys. Take on this, uh, what what Bitcoin really is. It, no, it, it's not like buying a freaking uh, Tesla stock, which people try to compare it to. But we got it when when Barry Silbert and his very much regulated company uh, does an advertisement. If they said what Surfer Jim said, uh, I think he would go to jail. I, I don't think he's allowed to say those. You know, <laughs> this is really money, people. This is this isn't this, this isn't a a fund. This is really money. Consider it. There's certain things that he can he, he can and can't say on a, a, a nationally a broadcast advertisement. And uh, it's then, also, it's not even in his interest to say that it's money because he's trying to build a derivative product on top of something. And if he says that it's money, that leads people to think like, oh, maybe I should just hold it myself. And so he's, it's always going to be in, in Barry's interest to try and frame it as some uh, like interesting, cool investment vehicle that you can get exposure to through traditional means. Yeah, well, it, it's that's that, not that, our approach or, or interest, but you know, again, he's got a company to run and shareholders to satisfy. Exactly. So uh, we, it, it's it, his. He's got a different 
approach to it, and he's got rules that he, he's definitely got to follow. That's the cool thing, dudes. If you, if you just own the Bitcoin, if you're just a fan of Bitcoin, you don't have to worry about uh, you know, how, how you phrase things when, 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 you, when you talk about it and everything. You're not running some regulate. You know, he he voluntarily uh, entered the world of uh, regulation because he didn't. I mean, he could have just bought like a hundred thousand Bitcoin for himself or whatever back in the day. Maybe he did. I, I don't know. But he, he's, a, he's an entrepreneur and this is what he's doing. He's building something on top of Bitcoin that uh, people that are used to traditional finance can uh, grab onto. And he's done quite well with it. So, hey, good good luck to him. Let's let, well, now that we're talking about big companies here, it's not a publicly traded company, but let's talk about a publicly traded company and, and a story that broke this week that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. But I just think it's huge for, for the future of Bitcoin. And it is MicroStrategy, a $1.2 billion publicly traded company, is diversifying its cash holdings to include Bitcoin. Now, I, I read the, the entire press release that MicroStrategy re- released. And yes, they've, they've got cash holdings and they are thinking about diversifying them into gold, into Bitcoin. They haven't, they haven't done it yet. They haven't made that decision. But it did open my mind to the fact that the dollar is not looking that great these days. And there's a lot of companies that are holding uh, their cash holdings are in dollars. So more and more of them, this will be a thing one day. And and how soon it will happen, I do not know. But even if the smallest of uh, publicly traded companies start to turn their their dollar holdings into Bitcoin holdings – that's going to make a big difference in Bitcoin. I mean, there's not that many Bitcoin out there, so uh, it doesn't take much to, to make a difference. So, uh, Jim, what, what, what's your take on this? Yeah, this is a very good thing, in my opinion. I looked into this company, uh, and they're a big company, and you know they're well respected. They got a lot going on, a lot of products and services, and somebody over there got through to the right person to explain that this is a money. This is a way to store value for the future and then get it back if you need it. And cash has no return right now. The U.S. dollar, you can't make any money on it. You can't get barely 1%, and that's going to be taken away by inflation. So I, what I read about this company, they got $500 million in cash, and they're going to take half of that, $250 million and possibly put it into Bitcoin to let it sit there until the future. That's big because when a big company like this does it, other companies are going to step up and pay attention and go, wait a minute, why aren't we doing something like that? What do they know that we don't know? And it's just going to ripple through big businesses and people are going to start paying attention and you're going to hear this way more often. I can see it. Definitely. I, I agree. We're going to hear more about it. And even if they don't do it, it's out there now for other people. To, it's definitely a more legitimate process because it's been tossed out there in official press release. So uh, I, I hope, I hope every company does it. I think, I don't know how soon it will be, but many, many companies will do this. Before we get a Reed's uh, take on this, I just want to say to everyone watching the show live right now, the pound that like button, uh, the subscribe to the channel and the backup channel. And if you have questions, seriously, do a super chat. Uh, just type in Bitcoin Meister. We don't know where Francis is, so we've got some excess uh, uh, time here so we, we can answer your questions for you. This is Usually we can't answer that many questions on the This Week at Bitcoin show. Now, uh, so Reed, what, what's your take on this? Yeah, so so – I think eventually every company is going to do this, um, but I, this company in particular, I think, uh, is reflective of, of what sorts of companies will start the ball rolling first, which are software. Yeah. 
um, companies that already feel comfortable doing cloud computing or, or dealing doing uh, working in technology. Like I think I think the Googles of the world uh, and the AMDs of the world, they're going to be the ones that first start moving their balance sheet into Bitcoin, whereas sort of the caterpillars of the world uh, may be slower to that boat just because they're not as comfortable with digital assets. Um, so that, that was the first thing. The second thing that really struck out to me or, or stuck out to me about that earnings call was how intelligently the uh, CFO and the CEO were discussing and laying out inflation and the, way, the, the risks of holding large cash balance sheets. Um, and it was, you know, they, they were clearly not Bitcoin maximalists, but they were trying to grapple with something that all companies are going to be grappling with more and more and more. And, and these guys were not dumb. They, were, they clearly saw what was happening to their cash and the, the real purchasing power of their cash. And they were, they were sort of trying to grasp at solutions and, and came up with gold and silver and Bitcoin. Um, and I think more and more you're going to see smart, smart CEOs making this call uh, as they see their their balance sheets be eroded. The nominal balance sheets remain high, but the, the real value of their balance sheets be eroded through money printing. Dude, great point about the tech companies more likely to do it. And in this day and age, it's the tech companies that are doing better than the regular uh, old uh, traditional companies. I mean, when you think tech company, you think about Apple. And Apple's got a lot of freaking cash on hand. If they just did a little teeny percentage of, of what they got laying around, it, it would make a big difference into Bitcoin. So so may it happen soon. May it definitely happen soon. So let's, let's move to companies that... Maybe well, they're they're not tech companies, and they're probably not that friendly toward Bitcoin. They've said some whack things about Bitcoin, and when I say they, I mean Goldman Sachs. Okay, Goldman Sachs had a uh, press release this week, or I guess it was a press release. Uh, articles written about how they are eyeing that uh, they, they want to have their they might want to have their own stablecoin now. <laughs> in the past, Goldman did not have uh, good things. The recent past. Goldman seemed a little confused about Bitcoin, or maybe they were it was purposely confused. Who knows? Uh, Bitcoin, I, I think they'll get into Bitcoin one day, but they definitely want a piece of, of the cryptocurrency pie, even though they might have not spoken highly about it before. So we'll stick with you, Reed, since we were just uh, talking about uh, tech businesses. What's, what's your take on Goldman having a stable coin and, and, and Goldman and, and the cryptocurrency ecosystem? I mean, I hope that nobody ever invests in Goldman stablecoin. <laughs> I think that's totally misguided. <laughs> uh, and I think that that more realistic option for them to try and get a piece of the pie, and actually I think a more dangerous option for them to try and get a piece of the pie, is the news that came out last week about the OCC um, sort of giving a, a go-ahead for banks to start custodying crypto assets. Um, and I think that that's a, a higher likelihood chance for them to, to try and capture a piece of the Bitcoin pie. And it's I think it's also more dangerous. I, I don't think that they're gonna be fooling anyone with a, a stable coin backed by Goldman Sachs. I mean, they're, they're a large company, but they won't be able to compete either with Bitcoin or with an even larger company like, you know, and, uh, the Fed, <laughs> private Fed issuing a stable coin. Um, so I don't, I don't think that that realistically is is uh, a threat, um, but I do think that the that Goldman, essentially people custodying their Bitcoin with Goldman, is dangerous because if Goldman has made their entire business model and and survived based on fractional reserve banking, and that is not going to work 
uh, with banking on Bitcoin. And so if they, they try and import over their old model onto Bitcoin, they're going to they're going to wreck their customers. Uh, unless unless the customers demand a proof of reserves, which they they could, but they probably won't, uh, because they never d demand proof of reserves with their their cash. Uh, I, I will say this: I, I think if Goldman Sachs does go through with the uh, uh, with the stable coin, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good for the space. It'll just show uh, when they, now even the banks, even the banks want a piece of this cryptocurrency thing. And how bad can it be if the if the banks are in it? It's it's pretty darn legitimate. If the United States has a Fed coin, Goldman has a coin, Facebook has a coin. Hey, everyone's got a coin. Yeah, what's wrong with this Bitcoin coin? Uh, Jim, you're uh, you're. Do you think Goldman will go through and have a, a stable coin one day? And uh, will they be holding? Uh, Will they be holding all the people on, on CNBC's uh, Bitcoin for them? <laughs> yeah, well, if they can get away with it and make money, they'll do it, I'm sure. So, uh, unfortunately, to me, they're all just rewards points tokens. They're they're not a money like Bitcoin is, is acting as money and will be money. They're all centrally uh, run by a small group of people. Unfortunately, what's happened is this narrative around this ecosystem that there is this giant ecosystem called the cryptocurrency ecosystem is is nothing but a big um, a big smoke and mirrors thing. Really, there's only one of these things that matters. It's Bitcoin. All the rest are just junk. And the fact that regulators are getting involved and and politicians and Congress people are are thinking about how to regulate. It's like if you just said these are all rewards points that you can redeem for products at our store or something, would they even care? Would there be regulations? Would Barry Silbert have to jump through hoops to custody people's rewards tokens? No, right? It's just, this is the biggest joke going like 20 years from now. People got to laugh at the people, the, the really smart people in 2020 that thought that there was a crypto economy worth building. It's just insane to me. It's just, I can't fathom any of it, to be honest. But it's going to happen because there's way too much money, way too many people invested in it in all different angles. They want it to pump. They want their coin to pump. They'll play the game as long as they can until the average person realizes this is just a big joke. None of this matters. So I don't know. I, it's uh, craziness. Good rant there, but there, there's going to be people. Diversification for the sake of diversification. Yeah. They're going to want some. Hey, yeah, this Bitcoin's too expensive. I, I I need something else for my crypto portfolio. I've always laughed at the whole crypto portfolio thing. I yeah. I, I often get asked, "What's your crypto portfolio?" I'm like, "I'm a freaking Bitcoin meister. Bitcoin. That's my. Yeah, I keep it simple here. But people, there's complexity worship. There's also all sorts of." Uh, oddities in life. Reed, you, you were laughing your butt off uh, there. Do you have any, anything to add? To no, I fully agree. fully think that it's a total, total sh sham. Um, unfortunately, I, I also think that, that the crypto ecosystem, Ethereum, whatever new DeFi token people have, that doesn't fully collapse until central banking collapses. And because central banking collapses when population recognizes that it's inherently a sham and they want a hard money and they everyone moves on to bitcoin so i think i think that as long as central banking can operate we're going to continue getting these scam tokens but every day that you print more and more hodlers people who opt out of central banking and opt out of the scam tokens uh you know that's one step closer to both of them collapsing um and so I, I can't say that like Ethereum is going to go down the tubes in a year, 
Like I think Ethereum's going to go down the tubes when central banking goes down the tubes. <laughs> I, I wouldn't hold your breath on the masses uh, picking up on central banking and figuring it all out. Because I mean, if you look right now at the masses, I mean, they're scared to leave their freaking houses. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're in a, they're in a mass panic and a mass hysteria. They, they believe anything they're fed. Uh, so I, I don't, I've all, I've said, I don't see the dollar going anywhere anytime soon. People eat up what the, what the TV tells them. Hey, and that's why hey, Barry Silbert's, <laughs> he's spending money on some of that TV time to, to get some of those people onto his side. You can't blame him. It, it seems like, uh, the TV is the, the, the king of everyone, the king of the 80 percenters these days. They, they blindly will listen to anything that CNN tells them. All right. Now, so let, let's let's jump. Let's stick with stable coins here, and let's stick with Reed because, dude, you had an interesting tweet out there. How long until Tether gets shut down or regulated out of existence? Yeah. So, so, so let's because Tether is a different type of stable coin. It isn't. Uh, they're not following any rules. They're they're not following it. They've just done their own thing. Uh, and they're the, and of course, they're the most popular stable coin, not a coincidence. So what, what, what do you got to say about that? Yeah, I think, I think because they didn't start as a Goldman Sachs coin, um, they started further away from res uh, regulation to begin with. Um, and so, you know, if Goldman actually launches a coin, they're going to just have regulators breathing down their throat much more. Um, that being said, uh, Nick Carter has written a lot about this, that, that all stable coins have have this issue where uh, when you get into them initially, you can enforce KYC, but within the stablecoin itself, transferring funds, it's much, much more difficult to enforce KYC. And governments looking at that um, are, ne <laughs> are never really gonna allow that. Once they recognize that it is that is transfer transferring enormous amounts of value, they're going to wanna shut it down. And if they can't shut down people getting into it initially um, as, as tethered, you know, moves from Ethereum to Tron to some other some other database system, um, they're gonna eventually just go after Tether itself. Um, and so I, I've been trying to figure out how long that's gonna take. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, was, I put that tweet out to try and gauge what Bitcoiners think. Um, I think that it's probably still five to 10 years off, um, but it's coming. Um, it's coming as Bitcoin starts to take value out of out of the existing system, and, and as stable coins become an on ramp and an increasingly easy to use on ramp to to Bitcoin, um, the regulators are going to start breathing down tethers more. Um, well, and, and the more if banks actually get their own stable coins, they're going to put pressure on uh, regulators saying, "Hey, we have to follow the rules. Get rid of this competition for us." They're not following yeah. rules. Go, go, go smack them down. The New York Attorney General, <laughs> in her infinite <laughs> wisdom, ha has uh, been interested in the uh, Tether Bitfinex stuff. <laughs> She's interested in a lot of stuff, apparently, if you, you know, she press release yesterday. But that's beyond Bitcoin type of stuff. I, I think that move will backfire on her, which she did yesterday. <laughs> New York Att Attorney General, man, just getting into everybody's darn business. What's, Okay, go, going back. So let's talk to a New Yorker. <laughs> what's what's your take on a tether lasting and uh, uh, a, a, anything else there, uh, Sir from Jim? Well, I I always laugh when I hear this phrase uh, stable coin. Um, you know, 
it's supposed to be pegged to a dollar and are we supposed to assume a dollar is stable because it's certainly not um but you know people want to value their wealth in something so i guess they consider that stable and they, a lot of things are priced in dollars as we know um but it's uh it's kind of silly because what you've just basically done is you've sent them some dollars and they've given you a digital token they control the whole system it's not like owning some bitcoin so they could be shut down and all those dollars you think you're going to turn your tether back into might just evaporate. Um, I can see regulators definitely get involved if they can find a way. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a worldwide thing. So uh, I don't know what jurisdiction they're in or, or who would come down on them, but you know, they're a money services business. Uh, they're, they're moving money around. I don't know what kind of rules they're supposed to follow, whether they're following them, but in the end it's irrelevant. Uh, you know, it's just another form of a dollar and dollars are going the way of the dodo. So. I think Tether is just going to be right behind as it as the dollars become inflated away. So, yeah, I think there was some news a couple of weeks ago about uh, uh, regulators asking Tether to blacklist an address and then doing so. And so it, it's not uncensorable already. And and that I think is just the very tip of the iceberg of what's coming for Tether. You know, more and more addresses blacklisted, more and more um, regulators breathing down their neck asking for reports and and asking to, to cancel transactions. Hey man, I, I hope they stick around because so far they, they, they're not, they, they haven't gone the route of uh, the uh, Gemini's of the world that are just totally compliant to, to the governments and everything. They, they're, they're a rebel of sorts in stablecoin land. And I, I, I'm a guy, a create type of guy. I don't like things uh, being destroyed, especially by government. So. I hope they can pull it off. I hope they uh, they, they keep up uh, keep up that wild west uh, atmosphere that we have here. And yeah, of course it's centralized. Of course they're going to blacklist things. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's trade. It helps traders a lot. It helps various different types of people. The stablecoin experiment is interesting. Uh, I I love to see how it all plays. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, it's not the real thing. It could get more people into Bitcoin. So I I, I have a. Bitcoin is my stable coin. How about that? That's my that's my conclusion on our stable coin uh, discussion here. Uh, I want to say Gregor Kovacs sent four ninety nine in the super chat. He said weekly support to the channel. Shabbat Shalom, indeed, dude. Thank you for that weekly support. I I appreciate it. And yes, Shabbat Shalom, of course. Let's uh, move on to uh, Dave uh, Port Portnoy. Is that uh, is that how you say his uh, name, Dave Portnoy? All right, so this this guy appeals to the youth and the impulsive. <laughs> uh, do you have any? Uh, he's what's it, Barstool Sports, and now he trades stocks, and now he started talking about Bitcoin all of a sudden, and everyone's trying to get his ear. Uh, Jim, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy. I don't know him too well, but I see his tweets, and you know, he's he's definitely making a name for himself right now. And uh, he did the thing where he he posted a tweet uh, requesting. Uh, the Winklevi twins come by and teach him about Bitcoin. I think that was the wrong choice of somebody to teach him about Bitcoin. Not that they don't know about Bitcoin, but, you know, if you really want to learn about Bitcoin, there's smarter people to talk to. But, uh, you know, hey, it's all like all of this stuff. It's all good for Bitcoin. If people learn about Bitcoin because they hear that crazy Dave guy spout, spouting stuff about it, that's all good for us. It's good for the Bitcoin ecosystem. And the more people that are exposed, the better is how I see it. So. 
Yeah. All right. Reed, has, has Swan reached out to Dave Portnoy? <laughs> we have. Fortunately, he hasn't responded for comment, but we tried to get Jan to explain Bitcoin to him. Jan wrote Inventing Bitcoin, and I think uh, Vic is maybe a, bit, a better spokesperson for the protocol than the Finkelvoss twins. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Dave Portnoy getting into Bitcoin's bullish. I mean, he's he's sort of been eviscerating the Wall Street suits um, through comedy with his day trading and pointing out that the whole system is rigged and uh, a mess. And hopefully if, if he actually starts going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, he can guide users from like this whole system is rigged in a mess and finances don't make sense toward, oh, Bitcoin fixes this. Um, we'll see whether that happens. I hope it does. Um, but he has thus far through comedy pointed out <laughs> all the problems with the existing system. Um, so I'm hopeful. Yes. I, I, I consider it definitely a, uh, a positive, a positive development there. He, he is an, an interesting, uh, <laughs> very, very, very interesting uh, fellow. And I hope he's not too impulsive and just all of a sudden, uh, gives up on it. Now, uh, let, let's, let's go back in time three years ago, uh, user activated soft fork, birth of Bcash. <laughs> Everyone thought Bcash might, all these people were worried about Bcash destroying Bitcoin, splitting the community. Now Bcash is about to split again, perhaps. Uh, do, you, do you have any, uh, Reed, do you have any uh, user activated soft fork memories uh, from 2017? Any any memories of that, uh, the whole SegWit stuff, the, the, the scaling battle and uh, thoughts now three years later on how it all turned out? No, I'm, I'm relatively young to Bitcoin, actually. I got in and in uh, that very end of 2018, actually, right as it was crashing. So, um, so I'm I'm learning the history of that um, through reading articles and, and being on Twitter. Uh, so I'm going to have to defer to Jim. What 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 got you into Bitcoin when Bitcoin was going down in late December? I remember that time very well. Uh, Bitcoin was in the 3000s again. Yeah. What, what, piqued, what piqued your interest at that time, or were you already sort of interested? Uh, part partly it was it was. Uh, sort of personal things going on in my life. I, I found myself um, coming into uh, my, a little bit of inheritance from my grandparents that had recently passed away and was trying to figure out where to allocate that to and was looking hard at the stock market and coming to the same realizations that Dave Portnoy had, that it was just a total total rigged mess um, and, and vastly overvalued and really risky. And I was trying to look for other things to, to invest in and and Bitcoin popped into my radar, partly because it had just dropped then down from you know, 6,000 down to 3,500 or 3,200. 3, um, and yeah, it managed to, managed to get sucked in through the, through the lows and I've, I've studied the history since then um, to get back into it, but I'm, so, I'm new. So were you able to turn some of that inheritance into $3,500 Bitcoin there? Get it I on didn't have the balls at the time to do so. Uh, um, actually, no, I did have I did have it uh, to do so, getting like maybe a million sats. <laughs> um, but most mostly, as soon as it started going up, that that pump up to, to five thousand um, last spring, that convinced me that this is not going away, and I needed to go all in. Um, All right. Very, very, very interesting uh, birth story there on, on your part. Everyone's got a different one. All right. So, Jim, do you remember back in uh, 2017, all those, those events, uh, user-activated soft fork, all that? 
Yeah, uh, very clearly. I was I began studying Bitcoin at the end of 2016, got uh, my first little piece of Bitcoin in the first half of 2017. And in during my education, uh, you know, I had to convince myself to get some first. And I was very fortunate to come across guys like yourself and other Bitcoin, uh, as we as we say, maximalists, you know, people that really were pro Bitcoin only. And I got to hear a lot of the description about what this thing was, this scaling war and this user activated soft fork. And it was all like this mysterious new stuff to me. But at the same time, I was listening to very technical people discuss it over and over and over. And the uh, user activated soft fork was very unique because you had one guy uh, goes by the name of Shaolin Fry had posted an idea on how to get SegWit added into Bitcoin and you had these different camps of people. Some didn't want SegWit, they wanted bigger blocks and the core developers said, no way, you're gonna wreck this thing. And a lot of people started to default and go with the core developers, the people who wrote the code, who understand how it works. Instead of going with the big businesses who just wanted to make a lot of money, bigger blocks for whatever reason, we, you know, who, who knows what their reasons were. But this user activated software was basically a grassroots effort to get the users of Bitcoin, the people that ran full nodes, to ignore any block after August 1st that did not honor a SegWit address. And that was huge because they forced the miners of this industry to accept blocks based on their rules, not the miners' rules. And that was huge. That was, that was one of the hugest things for me that really solidified this Bitcoin is decentralized and there is no one group that controls it because even the users can't control it. They had to come together as a giant group and say, we're gonna signal for this and if we see a block that doesn't honor a SegWit address, we're not going to accept it. And the miners weren't going to get credit for that block. And they're going to do a bunch of hashing and not get paid for it. They didn't want that. And I heard uh, the way it turned out is they all signaled for SegWit ahead of August 1st so that when it was implemented, there was no uh, contention on actual August 1st, except for the, the Bcash people who split off and they wanted their big blocks. And that's when Bitcoin Cash was born. So yeah, I watched the whole thing escalate, then I watched the price keep going up into December, and I thought I was a genius. I found it. Oh, this is, I told everybody, they all thought I was nuts. Most of them didn't join. Now a lot of them are coming back, and they're starting to wonder, maybe I had something to say back then, you know? So it was very interesting. I'm glad I lived through it, and it was great to celebrate the anniversary a few days ago, last week. Well, you were a guy, you know, you talked about the grassroots aspect of it. And I, I know you're a grassroots dude. I mean, that's, uh, of course, you, you, you definitely like that with your, uh, what, what you've done in terms of grassroots marketing and stuff. So uh, it, it all can happen here in the land of Bitcoin, the grassroots. The, now, the, there was an attempted corporate takeover going on at that time, the, the SegWit uh, 2X. We won't get into it, but the the, the, the people won, the, gra the, gra the grassroots won. And uh it's uh, and corporate people got to have their B cash if they wanted. Everyone got their way. You can always fork off. There's always ways. There's always ways in Bitcoin to uh, everyone to, to get what they want. The, the hey, uh, sorry. Can I uh, shill some more grassroots stuff? Yeah, please, please. Um, uh, there was a tweet a week ago Matt O'Dell put out, and uh, it had something to do with uh, there are a bunch of new people getting into Bitcoin, but there are also a bunch of new people helping to educate about Bitcoin. And you're aware of Nick from uh, Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, he and a friend of his, uh, Optimus Fields, they decided to start a, a podcast, Bitcoin Kindergarten. 
So um, I get to uh, participate. We get a bunch of people in there, new people that, that have basic questions, and we try to answer them. And so we're doing that every Thursday night, just one more place for people to uh, get some Bitcoin information from hardcore Bitcoin people that have studied hard, that you know we believe we know what we're talking about, and we're trying to help uh, educate the next wave of people. We do see a new, a new bull run coming. And, and the more content out there that people can find that's accurate, the, the better off the, uh, the ecosystem is going to be. So there's another place where people can learn about Bitcoin and the, the new podcasts are popping up every every week, it seems. So all good for Bitcoin. All right. I, I, I got to say all these dudes that are all here on the show and Francis, who we don't know where he is, they're linked to below. So follow them on Twitter and you'll get updates like that, uh, you know, wh where to where to listen to Jim. And yeah, that, that, that Nick dude is awesome. Also, of course, the, there's plenty of Nicks in the space. Nick Nick Carter is, is an awesome guy too. We were talking about we were talking about stable coins. Reed, you brought up a uh, Nick Carter, and it's it, and you just brought up Matt O'Dell. You dudes are awesome because you actually read the smart people. It's it's good, you know. You don't have to agree with Matt O'Dell and everything, or Nick on Nick Carter and everything, but it's it's good to keep up with those dudes on Twitter. It, it really is. Uh, they, they, they give you a, a, very, a very good perspective on things. And that's what I always tell people. Always check out the links below. It's not just to, to just drool and like listen to what people are saying on YouTube. You know, read, read some of this stuff and learn about other people. Don't let that YouTube algorithm tell you what to do. Don't let Twitter tell you what to do. I just got a tweet from BitChute Crypto, this guy who's trying to um, spread the Bitcoin word over BitChute because there's a lot of you that are like, why aren't you on BitChute? I am on BitChute, Bitcoin Meister. Um, he says, Twitter is blocking tweets with links to BitChute videos. So until this is changed, all videos I share will contain a space between dot and com. Okay. And so this is this is what happens when you blindly follow a Twitter uh, algorithm. So they, they block uh, bit, bit shoot videos apparently now. Now that this is just, is, are we going to get a confirmation on this? I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm just I'm pointing it out out there because everybody knows that I'm a big fan of using your brain, not blindly following these uh, social media algorithms because they they can do quite a number on you. You you go down their little hole and end up in their little. Uh, their little world. You, you don't want to end up there. It's it, you end up in a very normy, uh, compliant type of place. All right, enough of, of that rant. But I did. Can I, I, oh yes. Can I, uh, can I add to that a little? Yeah. Um, yes, one please. Of, one of the things that I uh, came across in my education was exactly what you just said. Uh, following somebody on Twitter. So back in 2017, I didn't even know. I heard Twitter, but I, I was not on. I don't. I don't do Facebook. I didn't do any social media. So I thought, what is this Twitter thing? Oh, do I really need to do this? I didn't want to be one of these people that did social media. You know, I'm a little bit older than the average guy in the space. And I thought, all right, I'll get on Twitter. And it was absolutely well worth it. Um, Twitter is a fascinating platform. You can learn from anybody in the world. You can talk to anybody in the world. If they're on Twitter, you can get in a conversation and they might talk back to you, including Donald Trump or anybody else at that, at that, for that matter. And it was absolutely worth it for me. And, and what you said about checking other people's tweets and their timelines and, and reading the, the thread, the amount of stuff you can learn, the, the links that you get connected to, the, the directions that you can go and the, the different subjects that you get exposed to is off the charts amazing. So the whole experience is getting into Bitcoin then getting on Twitter and following just the right people. You're not going to get the facts from the mainstream media. You have to search them out. If you don't search them out, you're just going to be like the rest of the sheep are walking around there being told what to do and wearing masks because the government said to. It's craziness. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Reed, your take on uh, crypto social media, Bitcoin social media. 
Oh, it's amazing. And I think it's primarily responsible for me moving as quickly down the rabbit hole as I have. Um, and my friends and Bitcoiners that I know that, that don't have Bitcoin Twitter, um, missing out big time, <laughs> I think, in terms of uh, directing them towards useful resources. Um, for me, at least, it was, it was really helpful in guiding me towards Austrian economics and good resources on Austrian economics um, that really built out my understanding of what Bitcoin was. Um, I'm now just sort of going back and, and starting to fall in love with Bitcoin Reddit, um, which is another good platform. But um, the arguments on Bitcoin Twitter are illuminating. Um, and so it's worth worth getting on. <laughs> yes. Uh and also, but be careful with those arguments because a lot of time they can degenerate into nonsense and just become a waste of your time. And along with the good comes the bad. There's a lot of, uh, you know, altcoin pumpage on there. There are all sorts of scams on, on Twitter and on YouTube. So uh, just uh, be careful, people. You, you use your heads, but it can be a great, great resource if uh, used correctly. So good luck to everyone on that. Okay, we're getting close to the end of the show, though. I want to get real quick. Uh, Reed, what was your take on Ethereum Classic getting attacked uh, two times in a, in a week or, or whatever? I have no idea. I don't care about that. Found <laughs> <laughs> that light button. Not worth my time. That's why we put it at the end of the show, baby. That's it. Well, Barry Silver's big in the Ethereum Classic. Uh, did, how, about, how about you, uh, Surfer Jim? I just heard about this and kind of like Reed, like I could care less. I, I don't pay attention to it. I think it's kind of funny. And uh, this is what's going to happen. There's only so much hashing power out there in the world, and most of it's on Bitcoin. And if you're hashing to support some other chain, it's only a matter of time before somebody figures out how they can do a 51% attack, take over the network, whatever. There's just not enough security there. So it's only a matter of time. I'm surprised more of these uh, other altcoins aren't attacked on a regular basis, probably because it's not worth it. You get their coins, and then what are you going to do? Dump them on the market and make the price go down even lower? So, you know. <laughs> Well, speaking about price going down lower, it's funny. People are still buying. Uh, most of the people who buy and gamble on Ethereum Classic have no idea this is even going on, and it's, it really hasn't affected the price that much. It says a lot about the cryptocurrency ecosystem that you referred to before, uh, Jim. They, uh, a lot of people do not care about any fundamentals. When you when when you get attacked twice in a week, that's that's not very good. Uh, <laughs> no. no, 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 not not at all. All right, all right. So let's. Uh, Let's get to uh, conclusionary thoughts. Any stories that got left out here? A anything you guys want to bring up? Uh, Reed, we'll, we'll, we'll start with you. Start with Jim. <laughs> uh, start with Jim? You want to start yeah. with Jim? Okay, Jim. Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, I can't think of any important stories. Uh, I'm just excited to be in this space. Uh, the, the learning, the education I've had over the last several years is off the charts. Um, it's changed my life for the better. I've got a completely different future ahead of me that I'm very optimistic about. So I'm super excited about Bitcoin in general and what it could do for humanity. Uh, I just want to show the Long Island Surf Park. Really good friend of mine is going to build uh, the first wave pool on Long Island. Uh, we're very deep into the project. I'm one of the consultants. Uh, we have a test tank where we run little mini waves to make sure it's all going to work and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, we're hoping to break ground. We thought by this year, but the pandemic put us behind schedule. But uh, we're going to have a surf park, and we're going to start putting them all over the country eventually. So it's going to be fun. Go to www.longislandsurfpark.com. Check it out. Surfing in Bitcoin is a thing, people. It there's more than one surfer out there. They got that community down in the Central America. There's all sorts. It's 
there's so many unique uh, nooks and crannies and niches here in, in the Bitcoin land. Everyone is welcome. You can't kick anyone out. Unconfiscatable, uncensorable dudes. Jim, thank you so much for your return to the show. Oh, do you want to mention the Texas event at all? Oh, hell yeah. My hat, uh, BitBlock Boom, it's, uh, at the end of August. I suggest anybody who can make it, it's well worth it. It's a Bitcoin-only conference. Lots of good Bitcoiners there. Um, uh, Texas isn't really shut down. Uh, I, I'm in touch with Gary Leland, the, uh, the guy who's uh, sponsoring the whole thing, and he seems pretty confident that it's going to go. And so we're very excited. It'll be really one of the only Bitcoin conferences this year. Uh, Adam, since we saw each other in Vegas, it, there hasn't been any. No, you know, Bitcoin 2020 got canceled in San Francisco. So everybody in the space that's going is very excited for this thing to, to go off. Uh, it's at the end of the month, last week of August in, uh, in Dallas, Texas. So anybody who can make it, go to bitblockboom.com and check it out. It's definitely going to be fun. I think it's a great statement that the Bitcoiners are getting back first with real in-person events. We This is, I fully support real per in-person events anywhere on this planet right now. We have to get back to uh, people interacting normally. Sure, it's great to have online conversations like this, all right? It's great, but uh, it was a blast in Las Vegas in February, and I'm sure it'll be a blast in freaking Texas. All right, Reed, we've given you your time to think. What, what do you got there? Uh, yeah, uh, only noteworthy thing of the week I remember that we didn't cover was um, the Fed announcing that it's, that it's going to go forward with trying to to keep inflation above 2%, um, which is something that I think Bitcoiners were all expecting would happen, you know, but uh, it's just sort of one more step along the journey toward hyperinflation. Um, so it's not really unexpected, um, but I think that, I think that, that the public publicly proclaiming that they're going to try and keep it above 2% is, is, is new. All right. Any any swan thoughts? Any swan promo you want to do? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come <laughs> sign up for an auto DCA plan. It's it's sweet. It's uh, takes money straight out of your bank account each week. You don't have to think about it. Really low fees, as low as 0.99 percent. And then we have auto withdrawal. So we auto withdraw from your bank account, buy Bitcoin for, for you, and then can set up an auto withdrawal to your Bitcoin wallet. Uh, if you don't feel fully comfortable. Having your own Bitcoin wallet, no worries. We can store it in your name legally at a, a registered prime, a registered trust company. Um, but eventually, we're going to guide you towards self custody. Um, so if you if you sign up at SwanBitcoin.com/slash/readwalmack, you can get ten dollars free Bitcoin, and all it takes is ten dollars a week, ten dollars a month. All right, dude. The goal is self custody. People, be a unique beast. Be independent. Uh, real quick, you mentioned uh, hyperinflation just now. Uh, do you really think that will come to the United States one day? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Really? Do? Okay. Okay. That's uh, that's read. That's read. We could we could get a whole another show about hyperinflation <laughs> and whatnot. So hey, dudes, at the very least, uh, the, the the United States is uh, straight up saying they want inflation. They want inflation. Uh, that that should tell you you should not be saving in dollars but uh, most people that uh, they're just too worried about uh you know, they're too scared about the going out now. we're living in interesting times to say the least well thank you very much guests uh we don't know where francis is but hey 
these two dudes rocked the freaking world. It was like we had three men on here today. It was what we did. We had, it was like we had five freaking dudes on here today, okay? So pound that like button, bang that bell button. You get a new show here every week. We have conviction. If someone doesn't show up, we keep on doing the show. It doesn't matter, baby. You're going to get this every Friday. I don't know what time every Friday. It depends where I am. All right, dude. So thanks a lot. Uh, spread the word on Twitter to ECHBALT. Follow these two guys. Shabbat Shalom. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, this Rupp Meister. Uh, tomorrow on the backup channel, Beyond Bitcoin, of course. And uh, yeah, just check out the archives, disruptmeister.com. Everyone have a fun weekend.